Welcome to Black Chicks Bible Study, where we are reclaiming, reclaiming the, the Bible, Bible one book at a time. We're at episode six. Joshua. We finished the Torah. Did you know anything about this book before? I couldn't have even told you who Joshua was. Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea that he succeeded Moses. Exactly. I didn't know what his role was. Interesting. Did I, you? <clears throat> at first, I was like, oh, I don't think I know anything about the book of Joshua, but then... When I read it, the part about Jericho, I definitely remember mm-hmm. that. Other than that, though, it's pretty new information. Yep, it was pretty new to me. Did you want to, do you have any, like, thing from last week or do you? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so I was talking about trying not to make the same mistakes, mistakes yeah. Keep repeating the same lessons yep. over and over again. I can't say that I really, you know, had any practical applications this week in that. But I will say... I think I also talked about, like, it was really important to remember where you come from. Yeah. All the things that made you who you are today. And earlier, before we started recording, we were talking about the current celebrity gossip with Jordan Woods. Oh, yeah. The Kardashians. Mm -hmm. And so I I was mentioning I watched that Red Table talk Mm -hmm. um, this morning about it. The only thing that's come to my head to tie it into what we learned was that for her, Mm -hmm. this is definitely going to be one of those lesson learned, I think, type situations for her. And hopefully she doesn't have to... Learn do it again <laughs> multiple times Interesting. and um on top of that you know she's really young so I'm hoping this is also going to be one of those things that kind of shapes her future and that she'll think about later on in life and oh, remember so where true. she came from and be like yo I went through this super horrible crazy public thing yeah so public like learned something yeah. really valuable and it's kind of cool to learn it in that big a way and that young, right. right yeah yeah exactly yeah so I'm hoping that she does learn you know that it is a lesson that she does but who knows <laughs> I don't know anything about her but yeah right. that's a good thought to have toward her like hopefully yeah what about you? Last time I was talking about like going through stress, like life stress and um, keeping focused without getting distracted or afraid, I guess. And ooh, I had like a crazy, I feel like humbling kind of um, long week or something. And I definitely, um, my cousin came into town and I got to spend such valuable time nice. with her, so like, nice. which really knocked me out of my bubble. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. It's so great when you see like family from outside of yeah. LA too. Cause you're like, Especially oh. here, it's like something familiar, you know, yeah. like people you've grown out with. And then it's like being out here where you have like no family. It's, yeah. Yeah. Nice to have that every once in a while. That was really mm-hmm. cool to have that kind of, um, uh, reality check. And that's something I might've been like, oh, I'm too busy or I can't make it to like mm-hmm. hang out or I can't, you know what I mean? I can like let family stuff go by the wayside. But you I did think it. I did a good job. But yeah, I think it. I kept up everything. I'm still here, still kicking. Um, anyway, you can talk about the history of Joshua. I learned that Joshua actually means Yahweh saves, which I thought was interesting. Cool. I have that the events in the book span about 25 years or so, starting after the death of Moses. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of scholarly debate about when that actually is there's some that say that the book of Joshua happened right around 1406 BC, but other people give a much broader range and it could have been anywhere from 1550 to 1200 BC. Another debate is about who wrote it, which I think is probably a debate yeah. about the, every everything in the, in the Bible, Bible I'm yeah. sure. But yeah, some people think Joshua wrote it himself, and there's some evidence to support that and some of the language you know that he uses. And then other people say it was actually wasn't it was written like 800 years after these yeah that's events. what i would think that's how everything reads to me is like stories passed yeah. down that were written eventually Way later. yeah yeah so who knows 
I um, started off trying to do a little too much research mm-hmm. into the books, and it would take me into so a long. <laughs> tailspin of thinking I will never get all the information I need to yeah. know, like the facts on this book. <laughs> so right. it helps now to you kind of should take theology. You should, you no, I'm not that interested. <laughs> I'm interested enough nah, to read. I'm interested enough to read the text and do a podcast about it, but definitely not to take a class on like the history, the history of it. Yeah, because that, that matters so much less it. to me. Yeah, that the to actual make me facts about it. Um, and I know I cut this out of the last episode, I think, but just in case, I'm noting that you're you're still reading the new international mm-hmm. version, right? Mm-hmm. Still reading it, so it's a lot easier. Yep, I bet. <laughs> Let's see, chapter one, they had to cross the Jordan River to actually get into the land. Mm-hmm. And um, they use one of their many useful schemes, I guess, to, <laughs> or what they've been doing, and they sent some spies to, I guess. Yeah, yep, at, their is, time-honored trend yeah, is spying. <laughs> spying. So yeah, again, that happens in this chapter, they sent some spies to go check it out. It really know. is about, like, Joshua taking over, too, and saying mm-hmm. how he's going to fulfill um, the promises between Moses and God, and, and he gives this speech after Moses dies. It's the Lord talking to Joshua mm-hmm. and telling him, be strong, I will man. never, yeah, be strong, go forward, keep conquering, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And um, he's saying, you know, be strong and courageous. You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. And another reminder in verse eight, keep the book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night. So he's reiterating what they already know and what he's told Moses. Like, this is the role, like, I'm always going to interact with whoever's in this role the same way. and Yeah, I'm whatnot. always going to be the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really um, up to Joshua to lead them in the in the positive way, I guess, which does include more conquering and bloodshed, which is really what happens a lot in the book, right? Yeah, there is a lot of war in this book. Yeah, they talk about a lot of the battles and them basically getting what's theirs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, claiming all these territories and... Your wives, okay, verse 14, your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives you rest. So the Lord is telling Joshua that there's still places to conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're done, they can rest. <laughs> yeah, there's still places to take over. Send your fighting men ahead of the women and the children and the livestock and then you can occupy your land and everybody will rest and then you can like perfectly obey me and you'll be happy. Yeah. But there's more war to come. I highlighted the last mm. or the last couple of verses. It's mm. after, you know, all that where, yeah, God's telling them to go fight basically after what everything he said. And then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Now, if you remember, they didn't truthfully obey, so that little promise there, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, they definitely complained a lot, and it was yeah. like, that wouldn't necessarily make me feel so confident, because I remember what happened to Moses. He just died, so, like, you're yeah. basically telling me you're going to act the same way. Like, no, I want you to be better than yeah, you were be with better. Moses. I highlighted that, because I thought that was interesting. And then it goes on to say, only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command him will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So again, like this idea that if anyone that speaks about, out, like it's so serious that they have to be put to death, mm-hmm. like they can actually see it. So maybe they are a little bit more like, you know, we've worked this hard, come as far, like we're getting it, like mm-hmm. whatever. So maybe they do have a little bit more heart than they did when Moses was leading they them. They have possibly. more heart. Yeah, maybe a little bit more heart because they've actually been through fought for it. stuff. Yeah, and fought for it. And now it's like right in front of their face. So maybe it's like at this point, they're a little bit more like, by any means necessary, yeah. we're gonna get what we they've invested yeah. too much life and struggle and hunger mm-hmm. to give it up that easy yep. yeah you're right and they're having to get used to this new leader but That's... they're being really really faithful or they're saying they're going to chapter two chapter two um this is about them sending spies from shittim to look over the land 
especially at Jericho, right, <laughs> and go scout out lands that they still have to conquer, right? Yes. So they go in, they enter the house of a prostitute named Rahab, mm-hmm. Rahab, um, and the king of Jericho was told that there were spies in their midst. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sent the message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you because they have come to spy out the whole land, but the woman like protected them. Yeah, she hid them. Yeah, she hid them. Mm-hmm. I loved that there was this introduction of a kind female prostitute. Heroine. Female, yeah, a heroine, and <laughs> she's a hooker. Which yeah, all at the same time. Very progressive, I'm so <laughs> glad. And she hid them away so they wouldn't get killed, and they promised her protection when they do massacre the whole town. They'll protect her and her, her, family. And her family. Yeah, Because she knows, because the higher thing is that she knows that God, I know the yeah, Lord has given you the land. How, yeah, how does she know that? I think I highlighted Verse 10 through 11, where she says, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you yeah. when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two mm-hmm. kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, who you yeah. completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Mm-hmm. And so I like, have eight and nine. Uh-huh. And um, she goes up on the roof and then she said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear. Do you think it's a fear thing or she knows that they're like a special people? or I think they're they're just the victors right now. And Mm -hmm. because they've conquered, she's like, I know you guys are fearsome. Like we are, people are dying left and right. You guys, I know who you guys are. You're Mm -hmm. coming and conquering. My people are even scared and you haven't even gotten here yet. So I don't want to die. And so to them, whoever is writing this, however many years later, of course, you know, everything is attributable to the Lord. But Mm -hmm. when I was reading it this time, it was like almost like the Lord takes almost like a little backseat because it's all about people making deals and people communicating across tribes and lands and the bigger thing is like what they're calling the lord but really Mm -hmm. it's just the result of their Mm -hmm. warfare you know what i mean it's like their victory means that their Mm -hmm. whatever they represent is the thing that she's gonna um believe in she's like whatever you guys are yeah yeah like they're um whatever is causing whatever god you serve or whatever thing that you guys must be the right one because you're winning (laughs) yeah like you're i want to be on the side of the winners right Mm -hmm. now so please don't kill my family and i'll protect you and they agree which is really cool because then it isn't about tribe or land it's about like we life for life chapter 2 verse 14 the men the two spies say our lives for Mm -hmm. your lives the men assure her if you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. Mm-hmm. So they feel entitled to the land. They feel like warriors and spies going in to take it over. But they know they also need her. They need her. Yeah, they need their own lives are bigger than any disagreement they might have because of their different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. It's about like the survival. They see each other's need to survive and they make a deal. Exactly. You pat my back, I pat yours. Yeah, you scratch my back. I, well, you save my life, I save yours. Mm-hmm. Like pretty awesome. Felt like a little bit of a shift. You yeah, know? that's true. They didn't have to ask the Lord first, though, if they could take that deal. Right, yeah. Which is interesting. Like, did their Lord, would the Lord have been angry that they made that deal at all? Right. I'd say in general, I think in this book, I felt like there were certain times where I was like, hmm, the Lord didn't do nothing about that. (laughs) Like, he seemed a little bit more lenient for some reason in this, you know, book. And it's like, people are a little bit more autonomous, I guess you could say, with, you know, yeah, this whole deal thing and the way they're, you know, operating throughout the book, which is kind of interesting, because... God was very, very hard on Moses. And yeah, you're right. God was like, so much more involved and legalistic. Yeah, and like, you have to ask me first. Like, it was just like, if it wasn't something I already told you that I was going to go, like, then come yeah, check. Come to me. Yeah, like, <laughs> come check with me. But yeah, here it's kind of like, okay, well. Well, like you were saying, maybe it is um, personal to them now. So it's more of like their story of True. getting, you know, over the final step with the last thing they have to conquer. They take it, they do take it more personally. And it's more like they're able to compromise more. I don't know. So when they come to ask her about the men, you know, she lied and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I 
I think I saw them run over that hill. So she sends them the other way, yeah. basically, so that they have time to get back. And then she tells them what hills to run into so they can, like, disappear. Mm-hmm. And then while they're all doing that, right, she tells them to hide for, like, three days or whatever and then continue their journey because by that time they'll be done looking for them, I guess, and then yeah. there'll be, like, a tear route to get. And for some reason they tell her that the promise is valid if she, like, hangs this was it, crimson ribbon oh, from her yeah. door. uh-huh. And she also has to bring all her family members and people she wants to save into the house. Yeah. But as long as she does that, then when they do come and like attack, attack the town, like, they'll then... know not. To oh, I guess that house. Yeah. that's why the crimson. Yeah. Died. Until like... I just talked it out right now, I'm like, yeah, how would they know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why did they tell her what the river does so they can mark her house so they yeah. know which one not to like. And her whole family yeah. up should be in there with her, and they should be marked and safe. And the army will pass right by. Yeah. Because the lives of those, for some reason, those spies decided their own lives were more important than the bigger. <laughs> But they were helping the bigger cause because yeah, yeah. they came back with exactly. valuable, like, with their lives and their information and all that. And a plan. Yeah, a plan. They knew what they were going to do. This whole idea, too, like, of keeping your word, you know, they yeah. made a promise to each other. And then they also explicitly say, like, if you don't do this, you know. They stated the terms yeah. of it pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. And they gave the valuable information of the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. So <laughs> Melting in fear. They're like, all right, everything. the Lord promised. Yep, everything's he on track. People are terrified. Um, chapter three. Mm-hmm. So this is about them crossing the Jordan. Um, so it's Joshua and all the Israelites. They go out from Shittim mm-hmm. <laughs> and to the Jordan where they um they camped on the edge. So the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant have to go stand in the river Jordan, right? Yeah. So once the priests step into the water, because I guess apparently this was like a what do you call it? Like a flooding river. Yeah. So it was like so much flooding water, down. Yeah, flooding down. Mm-hmm. So that's why you know it was such an issue. How we're gonna get across? Because it was like crazy. So, yeah, once they stepped into the river, though, then all the water stopped. Yeah, it's, like, dammed up at the top somewhere else, right? So it wasn't, Mm -hmm. like, flowing into the basin of the river. Right, exactly. And so that created space, and they could literally just walk across at that point because there was no no water there to... And the priests and the ark were stopped right in the middle on dry ground while all Israel passed by. For some reason, I had, like, the last verse in this. It says, the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. ground. So I thought that was interesting. I think I highlighted that because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's kind of like that idea, you know, if you, like the, what do you call it, captain of a boat or like, you know, like there's the pilot a pilot or the captain. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. making sure that everyone else is safe before you yourself gets to safety. Yeah. So I think that's why I highlighted that. I was like, you know, I, I like that idea that, yeah, they had to they held their for ground. everyone. Held their ground and they had to be accountable for every single person in that. And, I don't know if it was just, I feel like one chapter, oh, next chapter, yeah, apparently it was like 40,000 people that had to cross, mm-hmm. so imagine, like, watching all, watching of, them all go by. of those, and you're still standing there, like, uh-oh, it was nice, I feel like that took a bit of a, what do you call it, integrity and courage to be the one standing in the middle of the river, making sure everyone else yeah, got it is, through. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is like a captain, mm-hmm. uh, or the captain goes down with the ship or whatever, that's mm-hmm. in that same vein of, like, your safety or protection is behind everybody else. They have extra protection too, kind of. Like Lord. it's like their responsibility, but they have well, they have the protection of the people because they think God is on their side. Because they're specially appointed, you know? They get to hold the law and have fate on their side. Um, chapter four. Chapter four. So after crossing the river, God instructed Joshua to pick twelve men. One from each tribe. Yeah, one from each tribe and told them to go pick a stone from the middle. So twelve total. Mm-hmm of the Jordan where the priests had been standing to, you know, clear this path. So they were told to go pick a stone from there. Mm-hmm. I guess the stones were supposed to be like a memorial type thing or something. 
or proof that you know about what had just happened like I had I had verse five mm-hmm. highlighted well I'll start with four because five is kind of in the middle of the sentence it says mm-hmm. so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites one from each tribe and said to them go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you what do these stones mean Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting, too, because it just also points out, like, that they also recognize how miraculous whatever it was just happened that it needed to be remembered. And yep. there had to be some kind of tangible marker marker and stone to prove that this happened. Yeah. And then um, I like, you know, again, the idea that keeping up with orchard like you're going to tell your children about this like and they need to know what I, I did write in my notes about this too though I thought it was interesting that God did have a problem with this because of how much he hates idols and things like that oh, I would have thought yeah. that he might have had a problem with them just building like a this, little like, touchstone little, thing yeah, yeah memorial thing because it wasn't authorized by him or he didn't tell them to do this so I yeah. thought like he might have taken it a little funny but he didn't say anything about them doing this <laughs> again God especially uh, quiet here let them do their thing and I feel like in this book, too, they kept repeating, and it's still there today. Yes, like, it's, it's still the legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah they exactly. took these stones. Where they are to this day. They are still standing there where we placed them 10 million years ago. Like, they say <laughs> That's that why people go excavate and have all these missions to, like, dig Find up. up. Yeah. yeah. So, and then it ends with, you know, verse 23. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. So same idea, if you remember the Red Sea parting back in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, What's it called? God doesn't have that many tricks. I know. That's mm-hmm. why I'm like, come up with a new thing, like mm-hmm. a new legend, like the river froze or mm-hmm. the river, I don't know. Chapter five, the day after Passover, they eat the produce of the land, unleavened bread, roasted grain. Feasting. <laughs> Yes, they were complaining so much about food, and now they just get a feast. They ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Chapter uh, five ends with Joshua seeing a man with a drawn yeah. sword, which kind of came out of nowhere because they're all just being happy. They're clean up, and then this man just appears with a, with a sword in sword. front of Joshua, and Joshua like he says, "Are you for us or for our enemies?" And he says, "Neither." But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down, which is our favorite pose in the Bible, <laughs> uh-huh. to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. But how does he know? It's just a know. guy with a sword. He didn't even give a prophecy. I feel like Joshua's playing it a lot more mm-hmm. loose than Moses ever did. That's true. He's I do like trusting. he had to take his shoes off, though. It's like respect. Mm-hmm. The ground is holy. Don't be walking on it with your dirty shoes. So now they're in chapter six. They're at the gates of Jericho, which are barred up because, what, they're trying to protect it from the Israelites? Yeah, because as we know, everyone's melting in fear. Mm-hmm. So their way to protect themselves is to build this big wall around the town to keep anybody from coming in and to keep people from going up. Yep, mm-hmm. but the Lord tells Joshua, you go in there with your army and your trumpets and march around, take over. Have the priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. March around the city seven times, blowing trumpets. This is the story I remember. You do? Because mm-hmm. I was expecting something bad to happen because they weren't supposed to blow their trumpets until the seventh day, right? Mm. I don't... I it just says don't say a word. Like, don't raise your voice. Oh, so just maybe they're, They can go around blowing trumpets, but they're not supposed to, like, shout and declare themselves. Oh, it's like, okay. Which is cool because they're there showing themselves, mm-hmm. and then they can be like, 
here's who we are. <laughs> it's almost like they were demonstrating, ah, gotcha. going through and demonstrating themselves, and then they announce, which oh, I okay. love that in this day and age. It's like they put on the performance first, and then you're like, who oh, are wow. these people? Yeah, <laughs> performer, right? Yeah. It's on TV right now. Hey, have you seen that show? I have Mas- not seen it. Masked Singer? Or Masked Singers. I yeah. haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. That is such a good comparison, because mm-hmm. you're like performing without saying who you without are. Without the recognition yeah. first. So mm-hmm. the people really, and then they have the really valued performance. Yeah, and then on the seventh day, they circled the city seven times. Then and as they were, you know, doing the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So there were a certain, like, treasures that were devoted to God, were kind of sacrificed to God that were set apart. Mm-hmm. And they're being told to not mess with that and just keep taking over, keep doing their thing and don't take any of God's portion. No trouble around here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And Joshua, he tells the two men who spied to go to the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath, he's honoring their oath. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like, he never even checked with God about it, right? Unless mm-hmm. we missed it. Like, no, he, he didn't. No, he didn't. And God never called him out either. Yeah. He said, hey, what are you doing there, buddy? Oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. so sweet that he saved mm-hmm. that family. And then they burned the rest of the whole city. Right, then, yeah. <laughs> then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. So yes. they also took some offerings. Of the but Joshua spared mm-hmm. Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent. He probably felt a little responsible too. He sent them out and then they came back alive. So he's like, I owe you as well. Mm-hmm. You spared my people. I spare you and your people. But then he goes back to me, Joshua, and says, Curse before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild the city of Jericho. So so the Lord, verse 27, the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. Getting your Legend. own book in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> Which, I mean, I won't spoil it, but very short-lived. <laughs> Chapter 7. Chapter 7. Starts with this guy, Khan. He decides that he wanted to take some of the loot. Mm-hmm, the devoted got, things. Mm-hmm, for himself. Him and a couple of other sons of... Oh, there were more people. Yeah, of other tribes. They kind of got together and took the devoted thing. And so became this thing, kind of like a witch hunt, right? About, like, find out who took these things. So I think, is it... Yeah, so God tells him that this happened, like, someone in your camp has taken um, things and we won't be able to continue our victorious momentum until you, like basically get these bad people out of your camp. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. a few boys from the Israelite tribes stole the devoted thing so that when an army went out to a new land, I, AI, yeah, they were, a lot of them were killed and the Israelites were scared and stricken down. Joshua tore his clothes and fell down in front of the Lord saying, you know, why would you bring us across the Jordan in that miracle to deliver us into the hands of Amorites to destroy us? Um, We would have been happy on the other side of the Jordan. Why are we being thwarted now? And the Lord is saying, you know, because of these kids in your, in your group who took my stuff, They've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. They've put them with their own possessions. So their punishment is they're dying in war now. And But the thing is, the, again, they sent some spies to go look at this land. And mm-hmm. the spies were like, because they had just been victorious mm-hmm. in Jericho and all these other battles, I'm sure. And so when the spies looked at the land, though, they were like, oh, those, it's not that many people over there. We don't need to send that many men to go fight this battle. Mm. And so what happened is they go and those people were actually really good fighters. Yep. They weren't prepared yeah. for what they encountered. So I think it was also a little bit of a lesson in, like, getting too haughty haughty and cocky. Like, oh, we got this. Like, the Lord's on our side all the time, and we just have to. But then, yeah. Do you think that was a failure in leadership that Joshua didn't send enough people because they were too cocky? And then his reasoning. Yeah, he's like, "Um, it's because uh, God is telling me you, you, and you took 
things from him, so that's why our army is being killed. Plot twist: What if he really put those things in their house? Oh no! And he didn't I write that. He, he didn't write Joshua that. Joshua wouldn't do that. Know. Not the Joshua I know. <laughs> Joshua, yeah. He would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the whole process is like God tells Joshua who to pick out from the crowd. Like something tells him, what if everybody's just taking stuff, and no matter who he picked, somebody was yeah, some, be he was bound to find someone. Who knows? But yeah, they all come forward in a process. He calls certain families and blah blah blah, and then eventually. Akan and his family come forward and they admit they it. tell the truth yeah and then so Joshua takes him and his family down to some valley called Angkor and the people stone them to death for <laughs> yeah. their yep I forgot terrible, about that part they terrible. do have to die and guess what the stones are still there today uh-huh yes that so chapter eight I said it starts with God instructing Joshua to go back and attack AI mm-hmm. by ambushing them from behind he's saying this time take the mm-hmm. whole army with you and go up and attack attack they're supposed to like they're have an ambush. To, yeah, like, ambush them, and then yeah. once they defeat them, they're supposed to set everything on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter eight, verse three: When you have taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it. You have my orders. Chapter eight, verse twenty-nine: Joshua impaled the body of the king of Ai on a pole and left it there until evening. All right, not, little barbaric. Yeah, little over the top, Joshua. At sunset, Joshua ordered them to take the body from the pole and throw it down at the entrance of the city gate. And they raised a large pile of rocks over it, which remains to this day. Chapter 9 is really funny. It's like the Gibeonite deception. A group of people from far away. To the west of Jordan. Come over and resort to a ruse, it says. Yeah, so basically, I guess at this point, they're still being victorious. And so people keep hearing about how victorious, how victorious they, they are. are. But then now the people who they haven't defeated yet are like, oh, we should band together and we should... Well, I think what happened originally was that most of the people wanted to just join together and, like, fight them, but then the Gibeons or whoever these people, they were the ones that were, like, they were their own little group, and they were like, actually, we have a better plan, and we're gonna do this ruse Ruse. where we dress poor people Mm -hmm. and pretend that we're not from here. And they say, we have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. They're pretending to be all poor, and they're wearing ripped clothes and, like, old shoes, and they're saying, we just come in peace. We want to have a treaty. But they're doing it out of, like, knowing that they're going to get beat. So, yeah, so they come up with that recent lie and say, yeah, that they're from some far, far wherever, mm-hmm. you know, way far away or whatever. And, yeah, that they want to. <laughs> and they call themselves the servants. Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt. So they're pretending, like, you know, they're exalting the Lord their God and saying that their God is so famous and they're from so far to their benefit to pretend that they're not a part of the tribe that is right about right, to get about decimated. To, yeah. The verse right after that, too, verse 14 says, the Israelites sampled their provisions but did not inquire of the Lord. Again, I said, God's been kind of lenient, but then I read that and I was like, yep. oh, is this foreshadowing? Like, God's not about to be happy to keep doing all this stuff without, without consulting. Him. Yeah. But then I don't think he ever did anything that is so anyways. Yeah, Joshua <laughs> makes the treaty of peace with them. He lets them live, but really as servants, right? He lets mm-hmm. them... This is what we will do to them. Verse 20. We will let them live so that God's wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oaths we swore to them. Um, so they're saying, like, we made an oath with them to let them live, and God would hurt us for breaking an oath. Like, they think that God would be more concerned about being honest and making an oath. and Not um, them making an oath in the first place. Yeah, because... like the fact that they shouldn't have made this deal. Um, they continue to let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. They basically are like, yeah, if you're servants, then you're Go going to be in, yeah. But at least they're alive. Yeah, they spared their lives. They'd rather be servants for an opposing army than die with their people. Mm-hmm. 
So chapter 10, verse 13. So the sun mm-hmm. stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Verse 14. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human wow. being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Is that true? Whoever wrote this. I know. I haven't God been listening to human beings? But I mean, not... the way they wrote it, it's weird. It's almost saying like, ooh, the human, like God took orders from a human. Right. Which God would not do number one and he would not like you to write that in a book right but the fact that they gave credit to things outside of themselves Mm -hmm. is the holy thing i guess in my mind you know the fact that Mm -hmm. they didn't take credit for all of it they're like something happened (laughs) to favor us yeah it's like even though they're starting to make their own decisions and say like god listened to us like Mm -hmm. we told him to do that Mm -hmm. still like what would we have done if not if this miracle hadn't happened right pretty um or they might just be bragging like our god stopped the sun for us and that's why we won (laughs) And then chapter 11 is another town that they completely destroyed. Northern mm-hmm. kings are defeated. Again, they join forces. Mm-hmm. Yes. All these towns are now trying to buddy up. They're trying to make a deal, all of them, mm-hmm. which means their reputation is growing with their power. It keeps growing. And their power and influence doesn't all have to be by, it is still by violence and force, but it's like by persuasion now too, because people are like, okay, okay, we get it. I like how at the end of chapter 11, they talk about the land having a rest from the war. <laughs> Yeah, I think they've been doing nothing but ravaging it. Until this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like, all right, I think you guys deserve some time to chill, enjoy your wine. Um, and then chapter 13 is more about the land that they are going to take over still, and it's them like outlining the boundaries of it. I do like how it started, though, because I think it's setting this up because it says, When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old, and there are still very large areas of land to be, to be taken, taken over. over. Yeah. So they're not done, actually. Mm-hmm. It's like God's basically like, you're getting old and you still haven't divvied up all this land and there's yeah. still more land. So I feel like it's like God kind of giving him a kick in the butt to be like, hey, finish yeah. what you're supposed to be doing. Don't stop yet. Yeah. And remember you're old and I don't care about switching you out. <laughs> right, exactly, yes. And then um, what about chapter 20, cities of refuge? Again, we mm-hmm. talk about these um, cities of refuge are really important to these people. Right? <laughs> and when I thought about it, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a priority to set up. The Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. He, these people really want to make sure that they aren't that they have a fair trial and that they can make their case at the gate of every city of refuge so that mm-hmm. they're not like, think about how much collateral damage must have happened. Yeah. Like, right. think about people getting killed left and right and you can't avenge every death at that point. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't be like eye for an eye in every case. Like, mm-hmm. you have to account for all the collateral. Yeah. All the collateral damage. And after the tent of meeting yeah. in their holy sacred place, this seems like almost like the next thing they have to worry about after dividing up all the land and everything. It's like, we have to have a refuge. Mm-hmm. Look at how many people were killed by like stray arrows and stray things right. and fell over. And like, we can't eye for an eye anymore. Like you have to make a case and make sure you did it on purpose. Make sure. So like your intent is coming in. Chapter 21. 44, where it says the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. So like reminding that, he made good on his promise, yep. but again, making it sound so easy, like, yeah, he just handed it to them, but it's also, like, they're like, let's recap, yeah. so the Lord gave Israel, that was nice and pretty in a bow, right? Right, exactly, just like, did it, we just went through 20 chapters of warfare. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, but sure, and thank you, God, for letting us rest now. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, I guess, yeah, so for some reason, Joshua sent some of the tribes back, oh, I guess because they don't need them anymore, because that's what they said in the beginning, right, like, once we finish fighting, you can come back to this land, Mm -hmm. so I guess now that they're done conquering, 
basically Joshua sends some of the tribes back to the eastern side of the Jordan mm-hmm. so that they can go back to their land because they don't need them anymore. And for some reason, those tribes decided they wanted to build an altar on the western side of the Jordan. The Israelites took offense to that mm-hmm. and decided to go to war against them. Verse 17, it says, Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell on the community of the Lord. Verse 16, the whole assembly of the Lord says, How could you break faith with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now? So this like group within the Israelites setting up an altar... And it was also set up not on their land, too, which yeah. I think made it more offensive to the, the people. Right. And the, they're assuming that they did it in bad faith. Right. Like, they're saying, like, how could you build an altar in rebellion? And right. they basically are like, no, we did it for God. Like, don't. Um... Now, did they really or are they just backtracking now? <laughs> That's what I, that was my <laughs> it question. It sounds like, so down in verse 21, the Reuben, Gad, and half tribe of half tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel, the mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows and let Israel know if this has been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, do not spare us on this day. Like the passion of what they're saying, mm-hmm. I believe them that they're like, no, God strike us down. If we <laughs> built this to turn away from him, like mm-hmm. God knows the truth. Ask God. The same God that you're... Yeah, like, we all, we're all in it for the same mm-hmm. God. Like, trust us, we hear from him too, or we, you know, we can do this for him too. We don't mm-hmm. need the in-between of you approving of it, we're doing mm-hmm. it for the right reason. Believe us, right. or God strike us down. Mm-hmm. It's like having a branch of a church. Like, if you mm-hmm. have the huge mega church in the middle of the city, you can have the little the offspring. Offices. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. They say, look at the replica of the Lord's altar, which our ancestors built, not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, but as a witness between us and you. Mm-hmm. So they're starting to branch out a little and be like, okay, here's how we can recognize the mm-hmm. God in each other. Like we both have, we the all, same, have these symbols yeah. and replicas mm-hmm. to show that like, right. we're all on the same team. Mm-hmm. And luckily they were like, all right, we believe you. They accepted you. it. Sure. Um, and verse, they gave it a name. Verse 33, they were glad to hear the report and praise God. And they talked no more about going to war against them to devastate the country where the Reubenites and the Gadites lived. And the Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name, a witness between, between us. That the Lord is God. And then in verse 14 in chapter 23. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. So the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Yeah, don't forget. I'm gro- He's passing on the same message that Moses mm-hmm. had of like, I'm going to die. Don't forget the stuff is mm-hmm. still true. And now we have even more proof. Mm-hmm. And look at what everything, look at everything I did. God will keep favoring you. Just keep going. Don't go astray. But then, is it chapter 24 where he... Says that they will go astray. Yeah, (laughs) he says... I know you're not going (laughs) to... Yeah, he's kind of foreseeing that they are... um, So verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land. God is saying through Joshua, like... People before Abraham had these older other gods, but look what I did since. Now you have the choice. Um, Just going over all the history that got them there. Yeah, going over the history again. And then in verse 14, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's Joshua saying that. Mm-hmm. And the people are like, no, 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 we're going to stick with our God. Far be it for, from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods, they say. 
But then he says, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your Why? sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve <laughs> foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end, end of you after he has been good to you. And they say, no, 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 we won't mm-hmm. do that. We will serve the Lord. And he's saying, okay, you all saw each other say that, right? Don't forget. It's a lot of psychological, mental stuff right here. Awesome, Giving him choice, but saying there's only one choice. Yeah, I think it's setting up that whole idea of free will. You mm-hmm. know, you're free to do this, but if you do, then this is going to happen. Like, Why blah, blah, even blah. bring it up? He's only bringing up the ancient gods to be like, you can choose to serve those old gods before Abraham's god, mm-hmm. but... Um, don't do it. Also, our God is ruthless, so you're not going to be able to live up to that, but it's the only real choice. So it's like a lot of like talking mm-hmm. around the direct command that he's getting, like he's giving the direct command hasn't really changed. It's just introducing more of an idea of like, you don't you have get to, to do it. Yeah, if you, you want. Yeah. Like you're not under a spell. Like if you really wanted to start going back and worshiping, or you really Feel like, free. This God, like, I mean, you actually have that ability. And then basically he died. Mm-hmm. Yep. At the age of 110. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. So yeah, they're being told you have this decision now, make the right decision, but the right decision is going to be really hard and uncompromising and you won't be able to do it. So is that foretelling that they're going to have all this trouble? The point is make the right decision, even if the right decision isn't going to, like he's defining for them, right? What the right decision is like the obvious right choice is follow the God who, you know, right now and who got you here. And here are the other options again. You're going to have other gods here in the new land. And you're going to have like the old gods before the God of Abraham that died out and that people don't worship anymore. So those are the losing choices. But go where your heart desires. Yeah, go there if your heart desires it. So (laughs) foreshadowing. Um, What do you think? Any overall takeaways? I would say my main takeaway would probably be like once you get to the finish line, your work's not over. Yeah. Because that's kind of what this book Never ended over. On. It's like, yeah, you worked really hard. And, you know, I like the idea, you know, they got there and then God did give them rest. You know, they did have some rest for a while. But guess what? I'm also going to remind you, you've rested. There's still always going to be some fight left out or some battles that you need to do. So don't. Don't think you're done yeah, don't ever. Think you're done. Yeah. Don't think that's it. Yeah. It's always going to wow. be a fight. So. Which is not the full vision that they were sold because they were told this like land of milk and honey. Right. And then once they're really there, it's like. It's just going to be like. You're not going to have an easy yeah. time worshiping God. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be tough and you're evil. So you won't be able to do it. So good luck. I'm dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It does seem kind of like. Uh-oh. But it goes to show there isn't any part of the earth that will be perfect blissful. and blissful and heavenly and flowing with milk and honey <laughs> yeah you can create you can create some kind of refuge on earth but you can't ever be guaranteed that you'll live perfectly after that very um good message to take away what about you the story about the prostitute mm-hmm. i liked the deal making the like getting on the level of humanity almost it felt more human and godless than previous books to right, me, which yeah. was scary on one hand but at the same time i was like okay okay yeah, it seems like god was definitely less of a major. an influence yeah, yeah. it's weird a little bit um because they are starting to recognize that they have choices (laughs) yeah they have choices and those choices have to be based in their survival and the survival of people overall who agree with them like it's more about like the fact that they extended it to the prostitute because she feared their god because she saw what they could do i don't know Mm -hmm. i like that it's being brought out of that just one people group like they're sharing maybe it's kind of like now for them their ideas that their god is like they keep saying like my god's the best or whatever Mm -hmm. if you want to think of it as like you know moral compass or something but they're really saying is my moral compass is the best like I'm gonna do what has gotten me this far right I've treated people a certain kind of way and I still feel okay about it and how I'm going to continue to 
act. And if I can see these kinds of traits in other people, then I like, think you're still serving the same God I am, right? Right. Because it's about that bigger kind thing. Of like, yeah. Not just mm-hmm. the name of, mm-hmm. it is still under the name of their God, but it's not just what that right. God directly says through their leader every time. And the leader isn't consulting every time. It's yeah, like, it's a little bit more of a broader, bigger picture, I guess. That was cool, but it just felt like a huge, it's scary when you're reading a very definite um, narrative so far of God being so in control. And then this book comes along and that feeling went away. I was like, oh, oh, I don't like this. Like it challenges something. Hey God, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. right. That's you, right. you heard me. You know me. what? Why don't you go ahead and freeze the moon while you're at it? That's, Stop that's the right. water. That's right. Oh man. Yeah, it did feel like a turnaround a little bit. I don't know why it's like threatening. I don't know why I don't even, even believe in God. <laughs> I believe in what people call God, which is bigger than like yeah. the Bible's version of God is not something I would ever, you know, if that were a person, I wouldn't follow version. that person. We're seeing this There's version. so many. They're just trying to get at the thing that we all should believe in, which is like life and truth and survival of people. And, and dogs. And, and dogs. Animals. Dogs are very godly, godlike. All They're the, the most godlike creatures I know of. More than humans. Well, sure. Um, That's why they have the same letters. D-O-G. Yes. Duh. God backwards. <laughs> I will take the idea of honor the God in everywhere you can find it and honor it in other people, even if like, like don't have an enemy. Mm. <laughs> like even if an enemy comes to you in need and they level with you there's something bigger than your petty like tribal stuff between you what if they don't come in a way then you then they're sensible. not then they're not in your life like you don't have to you can keep it moving so right. next we're gonna be going into judges judges my favorite <laughs> an even shorter <laughs> book um where i get to be judge and jury yes <laughs> india's favorite my role favorite role <laughs> judge uh, and jury judge and jury and execution <laughs> my favorite role naturally yeah. too we will go into judges next time And until then, keep following along. Keep listening. Thank you for the people who are listening so far. We really appreciate you. And um, until next time, thank you for listening to Black Chicks Bible Study.